What's going on? I am Jimmy Fair and welcome to another episode of The Fair Response. I want to apologize to my fans out there. I know it's been a week or two since I've uh, done an episode. I've been a little busy, been a little tied up, been doing a few things, but I knew I had to get back. So today we're going to be responding to the NBA playoffs. Tiger Woods and his amazing victory at the Masters and what the future looks like for him. We're also going to talk about the NFL and we're going to do, you know, some car stuff, talk about some car industry business. So stay tuned, get ready, get your popcorn, sit back, relax, and just listen to what's about to unfold. What's going on? I'm back. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Let me uh, light my cigar real fast so we can get into this. This episode today. Hope y'all got y'all cigars. You know, sit back and chill. Get you a little something to drink. Relax. Let me do all the work. A little slurp. I don't know if any of you guys paid attention to the Western Conference um, playoffs. But I was sitting over here with... You know, biting my fingernails over here because one of my favorite players in the game is Russell Westbrook. Russell got that dog. I mean, truth be told, Russell got he just got he got this competitive nature, and I love it. The problem was <laughs> he came across somebody who has more of a competitive nature, more skilled of a ball player, and. That guy named Damian freaking Leonard bust his behind. Now, they were going back and forth during the series. They've been going back and forth for a few years. But for this series in particular, they were going back and forth at one another. Russell was acting like he was the king on the hill, what have you. You know, doing his little rockabye baby to sleep crap. And Damian Leonard, all he did was go out there and bust him. That's all he did. All Damien did was go out there and score. All Damien did was go out there and make him look stupid. And then here's Paul George at the end of the game, right? After Damien Litter just drilled a three-pointer in Paul George's face, I'm talking figure. I mean, and here's the part that's amazing about that shot. Not, not that it was 30, 36 feet away. The half-courtness is no longer, a half-court shot in the NBA is no longer a ooh moment for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is a very skilled shot. It is a shot that is unique. It's it's a, it's a shot that you got to have a set of cojones to take. That was not the, 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 the point. Did anybody see the move that Damian Lillard did to Paul George who is taller than he is, who has longer arms than he does. Damien did this little move, boom, boom, and it was like, listen, had it been four inches to the to another direction, that ball would have been tipped or packed, as we used to say back in the day. But Damien, he got, he had, he created just enough space out of Paul George's long arms to get that shot off. And the part that's crazy is that he had the, the nerve to step up to the plate, swing for the fences and hit it. 
Now, if anybody knows, if anybody can recollect, name me a few players would have that would have that type of cojones. Those two players, one of them is in the NBA and is considered the greatest basketball player of all time. The second one, I'm sorry, I said in the NBA. The first one is in the Hall of Fame, has six championship rings, and is, you know, basically probably by far the blueprint for what it is to be a basketball player. And the second guy will be on the, in the Hall of Fame, has five championships ring, and is the direct blueprint of the first one. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Not too many people have cold-blooded, ice-cold water running through their veins like those two guys. But guess who just ascended to the pantheon of greatness? I'm just saying. You ain't got to believe me. Look at the look at the tape. This dude scored 47 points before that three-pointer. He hit 50 points. In the game, and he hit his 50th point by drilling a 36-foot three-pointer in the face of a guy that's taller and lankier than he is. And he did it with a nice, subtle juke step to create the separation and drill the shot. Okay, let's keep it real. Yes, James Harden is a prolific scorer. Okay, cool. LeBron James, in my opinion... LeBron James is a is is a, is a is a is a stat stuffer. I mean, LeBron's gonna always you you can count LeBron gonna get twenty eight, eight and and six. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna always have those type of numbers. But to see a guy like Damian Litter, who's out there in Portland, you know, we really don't get to see this guy play a lot on the East Coast. But to see this guy do what he did in those games, to to hold his composure when Oklahoma won one game, to hold his composure and then beat them the way that he did, that was a demoralizing, it was disrespectful, it was a slap in the face. He didn't slap Russell Westbrook in the face. He went to the sidelines Asked his Russell Westbrook's mama to stand up, and then he spit on his hand, and he slapped the fire out of him. That's what he did in that shot. Not only did he do, he hit Russell's mama like Denny went and got Paul George's mom, told her stand up. He got some baby powder for her, put the baby powder on his hand, and then slapped her in the next week. That's how disrespectful. And once he hit the shot, he even he waved bye bye, bye bye bye, like Backstreet Boys. Come on. That's disrespectful. And then he won, and he won the game at home. He did it at home in front of his own home crowd. He broke their backs at home. He and you know what would have been really disrespectful. And Oklahoma City better be happy that they didn't, that they would if if Damian would have done that in Oklahoma. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, that would have been a whole new level. Of disrespect, but luckily for the Oklahoma City team, he did it in Portland because you you will never. It don't even matter. They will never live that down. Then you got Paul George and his infinite infinite intelligence comes after the comes after the game and says in a press conference that was a bad shot. No, the bad shot was not that. The bad shot was y'all. Y'all were a bad shot. The entire team during this series was a bad shot. They beat y'all in 
five games, which is disrespectful. Y'all really didn't put up a major fight. That game went to the buzzer, um, and it was just kind of written. If there was a script, that was the script for that. That was the that was the movie that should have won an Academy Award. You know, like sports movies don't really win Academy Awards, but maybe if did Rudy win an Academy Award? I don't know. It was the seventies. Who knows? But all I'm saying is that right there, that shot can only be eclipsed by one or two other shots. And the person who has that shot or those type of shots on his resume consistently in the playoffs is Michael Jordan. So, you know, Damian Little just put himself in the pantheon of greatness. I'm talking in the pantheon of greatness. That was an amazing shot. I've gone too long talking about that one shot because guess what? There were a whole bunch of other teams. <laughs> Who are playing Golden State right now has been I don't know if Golden State ha- is mentally ready to try to make a run to actually get uh, another play uh, another NBA Finals victory. They don't seem to be mentally there. They seem to. And I mean, uh, Trayvon, uh, KD and um, the other Splash brother. They all seem to be ready to get the heck up out of OKC and start doing their own things and get paid. They are not acting like a team who's destined for greatness. They are not acting like a team who wants to win a three uh, uh, a three-peat. And this will be the first three-peat since the Lakers done it. They are not acting like a team who was prepared, who was, you know, they are, we, we know that they're coached well, but I don't know if they are mentally prepared. They do not, I don't know about anybody else, but OKC still reminds me of a young team. I don't know why. It's something about, you know, watching Michael come along in his first three. Michael was so mature, you never worried about whether or not the Bulls was mentally in the game. Or if you t- think about the Celtics or you think about the Lakers of the 80s, those teams was meant- were mentally prepared. Kobe Bryant would have, except for that one time that the Kobe Bryant lost to the Boston Celtics, other than that, Kobe Bryant was mentally, well, the Lakers, the Lakers, uh, the 2004 Lakers, who were trying to go for a four-peat and who were in the NBA Finals but lost to the Detroit Pistons, who were mentally focused because they had a bunch of veterans on that team. The Lakers at that time had a bunch of veterans, but Shaq was ticked off with Kobe. Kobe was ticked off with Shaq. There were a whole lot of internal dramas going on. Phil was ready to lead the game again. So they was kind of already packing their bags, which is what I seem to see with Golden State right now. So I don't know if they're, I mean, I'm not saying that they won't win. I'm just saying I don't think that they're mentally prepared to win. You've got to be mentally prepared to go deep into the playoffs and then win the finals. Now, here's the question. Let's say, for instance, that Golden State does get to the finals. Are they really ready to beat a team like uh, Milwaukee? I'm not saying Milwaukee's going to make a cakewalk through the uh, the playoffs on the East. But at the end of the day, who's on the East? Philadelphia ain't got their mind right. They still acting like a bunch of teenagers. Um, Boston is... Is, is is a spotty team. They tend to score or have a determination to win whenever they kind of wake up. It depends on what they wake up in the morning and think about. I mean, I don't necessarily see any major competition for Milwaukee coming out of the East, but at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about are you intense? And um, the Greek freak seems to be very intense. He seems to be ready. He seems to have a chip on his shoulder to prove that he's the future of the NBA and that he's that guy that you need to be trying to put on your calendar saying, you know, he can come in here and drop a a, a large amount of points on us and really make us look bad. So I don't really, I don't, 
outside of Milwaukee, the East to me just never has not been strong since the Bulls left. You know, I'm sorry, since the Pistons, you know, and that's 2004. You know what I mean? Like the East, you know, and I mean, I know somebody will be like, well, you know, LeBron. Look, listen, I'm not getting into that debate. LeBron always had a cakewalk to the East. I'm just saying. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't see nobody beating Milwaukee. Um, the the best competition is will come out the West. Um, the Rockets, listen, James Harden will probably be your MVP. He in my opinion, doesn't deserve it due to the fact that all he do is score. He don't play no defense. I do believe the Greek freak deserves the MVP because of what all he does, and he is the future of the league. So, in my opinion, the guy smoking his cigars in the back room, that's who they should give it to. Um, but other than that, the best uh, – the NBA Finals might be the semifinals between – um, and I know that's totally discrediting Milwaukee, but the best games before the finals are going to be on the East, not East, on the West. And it's going to be more than likely Golden State and the Rockets or something of that nature. Um, and as far as the finals goes, I predicted it. Golden State is going to pull it out some kind of way. And it's going to be between Golden State and um, Milwaukee. I just... I'm gonna be honest. I really don't want to see Golden State back in it because I've, I mean, you know, and that's kind of contradictory because I, I love when the when the Bulls won three straight. That was great. That was just awesome basketball. You know what? If Golden State get back and they do three peat, great. I'm happy for them. That team is gonna dissolve after this year anyway. So, um, you know, them winning one right now would be the best thing for them as they as the core player or some of the core players venture out and Kevin Durant goes to New York and get his payday. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, if they get there, great. I would, I want to see what Milwaukee can do. I'm happy. Cleveland is not, I'm happy. LeBron is not in it no more. I got tired of looking at that. Um, I'm looking forward to another team. I'm looking forward to a guy like, um, the Greek freak that may be able to actually cause a disruption in the Golden State's offense and defense. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But, I mean, I'm not – if you would ask me my opinion on who I think was going to win, I'd say Golden State in seven. And that's – it don't matter who they play. It's hard to beat Golden State because of who they have on the team. They have a bunch of assassins. They have a decent core team. Um, I don't know if their inability to work together right now, um, and they can do all the interviews that they want, but that ain't got nothing to do with the fact that they're, they're eroding from the inside. And I think that that has a lot to do with, um, uh, Trayvon, um, is it Trayvon? Yeah. It has a lot to do with him. Um, and Kevin Durant, who's pretty much got one foot out the door, but he's not going to say it. Um, but you know, that's how I see them right now as a functioning dysfunction while I see the strength or the stronger team and the stronger unit being uh, Milwaukee. They have great coaching, just like 
Golden State. They have some great core pieces, just like Golden State. They have one superior team, one superior, but Golden State got about three guys who can turn the switch on at any night, in any moment, and actually light a fire. So it's going to be hard to compete against that, but it's going to be interesting to see how the dynamic works. But once again, both of these teams got to first get out of their conferences. Um, and I don't see any major hiccups. There may come with the Rockets a little of a hiccup, um, but Harden, give Harden 50 points, shut down everybody else, and you can win. Um Boston, Boston will self-destruct themselves. Philadelphia, Philadelphia going to self-destruct themselves. I mean, that's just how the game, you know, just how it seems to be, you know what I mean? So, you know, but anyway, I just want to, I want to crown right now Damian Lillard as that guy that's got that dog in him. I want to, I want to say it right now uh, that that guy, he has, he has it. Whatever the it is that you have to be an assassin, to hurt somebody's feelings, Damian Lillard is the dude that's got it. He's got that gene. He's got that clutch. He's got that thing that once you once he zeroes in and he targets you and you done ticked him off to the point where there's no more ticking off to be ticked, he's that dude that will send you home crying to your mama, asking why. That's that dude. And if, you know, mama said it to be days like this, he was the reason why they wrote the song. That's all I'm saying. So, you guys, just pay attention to what's coming out of Portland. That's all I'm saying. So, y'all want y'all to stay tuned. I'm up against it right now. We're going to be moving on to our next subject, talking about Tiger Woods. So stick, So, stick with me. What's going on? I am back. Man, listen. Did anybody see the greatness that was displayed at the Masters about two weeks ago? Anybody see that besides me? Tiger Woods did what many people, not including me, thought he could not do. Anytime I saw Tiger's name on the list for any golf, anything... I was always believing Tiger Woods could win. Anytime I saw it. Now, mind you, I was not thinking he was necessarily, let me let me restate that. I thought he would do well at the Masters. I was not, I was rooting for him to win. But trust me, I was like, oh, you know, Tiger, hey, look, you know, just do well. That's all I need for you to do right now. I need you to get your name in the top 10. You know what I'm saying? Or top three. <clears throat> Because anytime Tiger Woods is in the top 10 in anything, it's money. But for him to win is straight stupid. And the way he displayed his ability to win or his desire to win or his hunger to win, it was reminiscent of his of times gone by. You know what I mean? Tiger has won now five green jackets, but it looked as if Nobody else was on the field but him, to be honest. The way he went about his business, his focus, his intensity, he talked about um, patience. He had patience. Um, He needed all of it uh, because the competition was stiff. I mean, we have to remember, Tiger didn't just win. Let's understand something here. Joe Jack 
somebody can go and win a master's event. You know, <clears throat> I'm sorry. They got they got um hot and they just did everything right. You know what I'm saying? Bubba Watson type of deal. I'm not saying Bubba just anybody. I'm just saying, you know, the masters can in one weekend an unknown person can become a star. The whole when I tell you Tiger beat the All-Star he basically he beat the Ryder Cup including the Americans. He beat every brand name in golf and he did it in a manner that made everybody look amateur. He did it in a way that made everybody else. And don't get me wrong. All of the brand names in golf played their best game. But Tiger Woods made all of them look like amateurs. He made all of them look new. You know what I'm saying? Even at their best games. (coughs) Excuse me. I don't know why I'm coughing so much. He made everybody look young. Even while they were playing great golf, and he just kept mowing down, mowing down, mowing down. And then he got to the end or where he could see the light at the end of the tunnel, and he did not lose his composure. He stayed focused on the task at hand, even when he had to lead by two strokes. And the only the, the reason why Tiger won, and I cannot think of the guy's name, but the guy that he was uh, tied for first place with, basically sunk, you know, a shot. You cannot slip up when you play Tiger Woods. If you are neck and neck with an, a, a Kentucky Derby bread winning, breed winning horse, you cannot have a miss gallop. You've got to be on your game. You've got to be zeroed in like a kamikaze. You've got to be Knocking them out the ballpark every time you come to 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 your ball. You got to do everything precisely right. You cannot allow the pressure of the moment, which is what happened. <coughs> Man, what's going on? You cannot allow the pressure of the moment to get to you. You just can't do it. If you do, then guess what? You're going to lose and you're going to lose to Tiger freaking Woods. And that's exactly what happened. Tiger Woods showed everybody while he will go down as 1A greatest golfer of all time. The only way he goes down as the greatest golfer of all time is that he has to pass Phil Phil Nicholson. Phil Nicholson's um, championship victories. He's three off right now. Um, is it three or four? I think Tigers won 14 majors and Phil won 18. Not Phil. What's his name? Jack. Why am I talking about Phil? Uh, Jack Nicholson. He's got to pass Jack's um, uh, tournament victories. And in order for him to do that, he's got to play everything the way he played the Masters. Now, with the British Open coming, you know, it's still hard to say. Um, That's a lot to try to put on somebody who's just getting back to form. <coughs> I have no idea why I'm coughing so much. And 
it's crazy. So <clears throat> I don't know if it's a nervous tick or I'm just coming down with something. But, you know, if I could edit those out, I would. But I guess what? This is raw and uncut. I, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. But Tiger Woods is, I think, on the verge of playing his best golf in over a decade. Um, he's healthy. His back's not killing him. He's not messed up on painkillers. He's not heavy. He's he's smaller. He's got some of the core some of the core values that he needs um, as far as family and stability. He has those things there working for him. He's been battling with a lot of different issues in the past decade. Um, you know, everybody messes up. I think in a way, as a black man, sometimes in our society. Black men get more of the brunt of issues when we mess up. We get <clears throat> we get the negative press more in many cases than a lot of other guys. So Tiger had to deal with all of that, you know, and after dealing with all of that, you know, he was dealing with his own injuries. So, you know, to have a knee injury, having back fusions, having all this and the type of play that Tiger was used to doing, you know, knocking the ball like to the moon. You know, and now him being older, a lot of things has to change. As I get older, I realize I can't do the things that I've always done. Um, so, you know, Tiger kind of learning how his body has to work and then getting his mind where it needs to be. That's very, very important to anybody playing in any type of um, any type of <clears throat> competitive uh, events. And Tiger just showed the world that he's still Tiger Woods and that redemption can come at any age and at any time. And I'm happy to see that he was able to do what he did when he did it and the manner at which he done it. I'm happy to, I'm happy. And then not only the manner and the place he did it, he didn't just choose to beat everybody at some rinky dink tournament. He won the masters in a, I mean, in a star, superstar fashion. He did, whoo, the, man, listen, I cannot say enough. I was happy to see it. I was, um, <clears throat> I was happy to be able to witness history. I was happy to be able to get a, um, a, um, a, a high off of watching him win. Um, I am thrilled to see what he does next. I think he's going to take the same recipe he went into the Masters with, and he's going to apply that to the British Open. He's going to apply that to the next um, major. I, 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 Hey, look, you heard it here. I believe Tiger Woods can win two more majors this year. I believe he can. And if he doesn't win them, he will be in the top five. I guarantee you because of the way he is now. He's found a formula that works for him. Now, he's not going to blow the field out the way he used to. He's not going to he's not going to beat everybody by 10 strokes or whatever. You know, he may be going down to the wire on some of these, but Tiger's determination and his focus will always um win out against a lot of other guys cuz they just don't have it. He has that one thing that has nothing to do with physical presence. He has a mental presence that's stronger than almost anybody else he plays with. So I'm very happy to see not only Tiger win, but I'm happy to see him win in the manner that he is he won in. And I can't wait to see what he does in the next 
um, season, the next uh, tournaments that's coming up, just to see what he can pull off. It's going to be great to watch. I say get your popcorn, get your Kool-Aid, get your beer, get your wine, get your cigars, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a, a sight to see. All right, so this is the end here. We're going we're gonna to be back, and we're going to be talking about the uh, NFL draft. What's going on? I am back, and I want to thank you guys for staying with us this long. You could, you can turn the channel anytime you get ready. Listen to me up here coughing today, like I got. God knows what's going on, but I'm, 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 I'm happy to be able to to stand on my soapbox and talk. Um, the NFL draft, which was last night. Look, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I went to sleep near the. Beginning of the first, second round. Um, so, yeah. And on top of all of that, <clears throat> some of those guys, I had no idea who they were. I mean, I'm just keeping it real with you. Nothing against those guys. I wish them the best. I'm happy that they got drafted. Um, I'm happy that they're about to start their careers. Um, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. The NFL draft is important. It's important to anyone who loves the game of football like I do. It's important to um, <clears throat> to people. It's important. You know what I mean? If you are invested into a team, you want to know what your team is going to do. I live in Atlanta. I'm a Falcon fan. And I can't say I was over the moon about the Falcons selecting two offensive guards. Now, here's the thing. Did we need that? Yes. Was our offensive line atrocious last year? Yes. Has our offensive line ever been the greatest in the world? No. Do we need <coughs> a great offensive line to be successful in the NFL? You better believe it. But at the same time, and don't get me wrong, the, the Falcons have six more picks. And there's a lot of things that they can add. We have done a lot of a lot of stuff off. We have done a lot of defensive stuff over the past few weeks by grabbing some guys free agency. That's great, but the Falcons, <clears throat> like every other Atlanta team, I mean, they made one big splash a few years ago by getting Julio. I mean, do we need another receiver? No, we got Julio. We got Calvin Ridley. We got uh, Sanu. We got Hooper. I think we got guys that can catch the ball. Our problem last season was injuries. The secondary was decimated by injuries. The offense, the offensive line was straight garbage. Our number one running back went out again with injury. Um, and our defensive line just couldn't get to the quarterback. So the Falcons need different key different point different different people that can position them into being uh not only getting into the playoffs but actually getting back to the conference championship that's never going to be easy in, in the NFC South because you got to deal with the Panthers you got to deal with the Saints and and depending on how Jameis Winston feel or if he don't rub on somebody's butt on whether or not he'll be able to you know get Tampa Bay back to to, to to promise, you know what I mean. We've got a decent offense coordinator, uh, in in Cutter. DQ is gonna quote unquote take over the defense. You know he was the defense coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl. 
uh, Shanahan, Shanahan was the offense coordinator. Um, so it's going to be ama- it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, in the first round of the playoffs, which is what I saw, um, this was the first draft I've seen so many defensive players go. Um, Kyler Murray uh, was number one draft pick uh, out of Oklahoma. Um, he's basically a hybrid between uh, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. He's probably somewhere in the middle of those two guys in height. <clears throat> he's definitely faster than those guys because he's so young. Um, he wins the Heisman, you know, and we all know it, winning the Heisman doesn't really mean nothing as far as, you know, the NFL. You've got to get out there and produce. He had a great coach in uh, Lincoln over there at Oklahoma. He's going to the Cardinals, uh, who last year selected a quarterback who, <laughs> you know, is bad one year removed from the draft and you're already looking for a new job. Um, that's just that's just bad, but it's business. Um, these guys, uh, you know, the guys that are selected the first round, you know, they are the cream of the crop. Clemson got rid of a lot of players. Uh, LSU, who didn't get to the playoffs, got rid of a lot of players. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. And that's one of the reasons why I like college football more more than I like <clears throat> the professional. It's because every year you've almost, you almost have a new team. If you are one of the blue bloods of college football, Alabama, uh, LSU, Texas A&M, now Clemson, Georgia, Florida State, if you are... Um, uh, uh, Ohio State. <laughs> I got to spit every time I say Ohio, Ohio State. If you're a, a Buckeye, okay, I, want, I might not spit as much. As, I still feel something wrong in my mouth when you say that name. But anyway, those teams um, usually lose most of the majority of their their squads to the draft because almost all of their players are top tier. So it's not you know it's not easy to repeat. You know what I'm saying? So. As far as the NFL people are concerned, as far as like teams like Oakland who are in rebuilding, <clears throat> teams like New York who selected a quarterback, did they need a quarterback? Yes, they have a running back right on. They got rid of o- uh, OBJ, which yeah they needed to. He, I'm not gonna say he was a cancer, but he was a distraction. Uh, Eli is on his last leg. The tread is is worn off the tires. Eli is slick. He is a may pop, meaning that his tires will pop at some point this season. Uh, <clears throat> I'm hoping that the quarterback that they drafted will be able to kind of be be ready to fill those shoes at the end of the season, if not before. Um, I'm not looking for New York to make any splashes. Uh, Saquon Barkley is a, is a beast. He is a horse. Uh, he is going to be a a monster. Uh, but I don't see New York doing anything major. Um, the Redskins are the Redskins. They are always a sinking boat, sinking, sinking boat. They are the Titanic. So even though Dwayne Haskins went there, I don't see anything major with them. Um, who else is a, a one of the Denver once again still needs a quarterback. I have no idea what. Why John Elway still has a job? John Elway sucks as a president, um, or GM, or whatever his position is. And and they'll say, "Well, he won a Super Bowl." A blind man can win a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, 
as a quarterback in the defense that they had the year that they won. Let's keep it real. None, let's not forget they lost one of those Super Bowls, but he went to two and they lost one. They lost one, one, one. But at the end of the day, you had Peyton Manning. So come on, um, you know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, the NFL. I, I just the draft is it's 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 just something to do. The NFL is a year round business. The NBA is a year round business. Um, baseball is a year round business. I don't really know about hockey, but I'm going to go out there on a limb and say it's a year round business. And being that it's a year round business, fans always want to have something to, you know, to, they want to be a part of, um, the, the NFL. They want to be a part of it. They want to see what's happening. They want to watch what's going on. They want to see what's new happening. So the the NFL draft is a way to bring the circus to town and keep um, people interested in the NFL during the off season. Um, so and but it's only for diehard fans. Um, I'm not gonna say I'm a diehard fan, but I am a, a fan. And being a fan, you know, like I said, I watched the first round. I went to sleep on the rest of. It. But um, it's imp- it's important to the fan, and that's what the NFL wants. They want to attract more fan um, experience um, with the controversies that surround the NFL. Needless to say, Colin Kaepernick, needless to say, um, domestic violence. <clears throat> the NFL has to always be doing something to keep a positive light on itself. So, you know, it's imperative that they work toward um, keeping fan interaction to a maximum and keeping uh, the generations to come. You know, the one thing you want, you don't just want one generation of NFL fans. You want continuous generations. Um, so they gave out a 100-year ticket, you know, to a guy last night. You know, they were in Nashville. So they were appealing to the conservative market. You know, they used to be all in New York, but they realized that they want to try to keep the business, keep the NFL growing and expanding. So they brought it to Nashville, which was a great idea. I think Um, they'll probably go out west again next year because the year before that, I think they were in Chicago. So next year, they'll probably go to somewhere like Oklahoma or... Oregon or California, something like that. They're going to be out in one of the major markets next year. Then they're going to come back probably to the, either the Midwest or the South. Um, I believe they'll be in Atlanta here shortly, probably the next two, maybe three years. Then they're going to probably go to Miami. Then they're going to go to Texas. You know, they're going to keep trying to, they're going to bring, the one thing they've been good at is creating ideas for the draft. The one thing they have sucked at is getting ideas for the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is garbage. And I heard one guy give a great idea for the Pro Bowl. Why not have the Pro Bowl um, in the same vicinity as the Super Bowl, or the same building as the Super Bowl, and have it the week before? I think that would be better. I mean, it's already the week before the Super Bowl, I think. Um, But having it in the same city, you know what I'm saying? I think that would be excellent. Because now you're already in the city that you're going to be playing the Super Bowl in. And you already have a building that's being prepared for the Super Bowl. Why not just have the um, Pro Bowl there? You could get more fan interaction. And instead of it becoming a one-week event, it becomes a two-week event. And that's awesome. 
you can't get no better than that. You give a, I mean, explosion of uh, money to the city. You bring tourists in for about three to four weeks. It Almost the Pro Bowl, if you put the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl in the same city a week apart, that's almost two or three months worth of revenue. And that would be great. But the way they have it set up now just sucks. And I think they need to do a revamp on that. I didn't mean to go off on that particular tangent talking about the Pro Bowl. But anyway, so, so yeah, I mean, the NFL draft, you got to be a real serious fan to keep up with that. Just like the Combine. The Combine is an event. I think they need to do the Combine. And I'm sorry, but they need to take it from Lucas Oil. And they need to make the Combine uh, like, you know, it goes around to different cities. I think that would be a, another way to spread the game of the, or spread the NFL around to other markets um, instead of having it up there. Turn the the combine into an event. It's already it's already an event, but it's an event for scouts and coaches. Why not sell tickets? You don't have to be into you don't have to put it in a major building. You can have you can have it like the Olympics, the Pro Bowl not Pro Bowl. The combine can be in. You can have receivers in one area defensive players like atlanta right atlanta has the size mercedes benz it has three one two three four it has almost four stadiums that can actually hold small crowds for different um for different uh positions like you can put the quarterbacks in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You know, quarterbacks are the quarterback. You know what I mean? You can put the running backs in um, Bobby Dodd. You can put the receivers over there in Georgia State Stadium. You can put the linebackers in Kennesaw. You can put somebody, another a kickers or somewhere else. And you can have it set up to where it becomes like the Olympics. Each, you know, each uh, position has its own area for however many days. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that could be an idea, but it just depends. The NFL is a big conglomerate. It's a big business. So being that it's a big business, they have different options. Right now, I think that they're trying to play to the conservative market, which is why it was in Nashville, home of country music, home of the Republican Party. Um, That's neither here nor there. But, you know, I just, you know, I think the draft, the draft is just a draft. It's, you know, seeing college kids become millionaires in a couple of hours. That's great. You know what I'm saying? And I'm happy for these kids. I'm happy for these guys. You know what? And I wish them the best. I hope all of them become Pro Bowl players and get millions upon millions of dollars in contract endorsements. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Fair Response. But let me ask you something. I really need a favor. You know what I'm saying? If you've made it this far, that means you like something I'm saying. And you, you know, you value the content. I want to do I want you to do me a huge 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 favor and I want you to subscribe to this channel. That's all I can ask. I appreciate it. Not only to subscribe, but shoot me some messages. <clears throat> shoot me some messages. Tell me what you think. You know, ask me a question. Anything you want. I appreciate it. I really do value every one of my listeners. You know, as we strive for the millions and the millions of future fair response um listeners so once again subscribe and do me another favor tell your friends please if you're in america if you're in around the world let your friends know to listen to this crazy guy called jimmy fair talking 
crazy and coughing. Please, it will help us out a lot. We appreciate it. And once again, peace and blessings.